Welcome to HuffPost Uncut, the best raw interviews from the staff at the HuffPost Australia. In today's episode, Head of Lifestyle Lee Campbell sits down with pediatric endocrinologist Professor Robert Lustig from the University of California to talk about the dangers of sugar. I wanted to start by asking you though, uh, how you started working with sugar when you were first working with children? Well, so I'm a pediatric endocrinologist, which means I take care of hormone problems in children. And for the most part, I used to take care of short kids, and then they got fat on me. <laughs> and um, it was sort of up to, you know, the pediatric endocrinologist to try to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was uh, taking care of um, a group of kids with brain tumors who had survived their brain tumors but became massively obese after the treatment. This was at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And basically we had to figure out why they would get so fat Mm -hmm. after having had a brain tumor and what to do about it. Mm -hmm. We ultimately, through a great deal of research, it took about seven years, Mm -hmm. realized that the hormone that their fat cells were making called leptin Mm -hmm wasn't being able to be interpreted by the brain. They had what we would call leptin resistance, and that was because those neurons were dead Mm -hmm. because of the tumor or because of the radiation. So we had to figure out what to do about it. Turned out some other information showed that these kids had very high insulin levels. Mm -hmm. Insulin is the energy storage hormone. Insulin is the hormone that your pancreas makes when you consume carbohydrate and it helps drive energy into fat cells. These kids were putting out massive amounts of insulin. So Mm -hmm. what we did was we gave them a drug that suppressed that phenomenon, that release of insulin. And lo and behold, they started losing weight, but more importantly, they started feeling better. They started exercising spontaneously. One kid became a competitive swimmer. Two wow. kids started lifting weights at home. One kid became the manager of his high school basketball team, running around collecting all the basketballs. These were kids who sat on the couch, ate Doritos, and slept. Mm. And now they were active, and the parents were saying to me, I've got my kid back. And the kids would say things like, this is the first time my head hasn't been in the clouds since mm. the tumor. Very clearly, what we had the term figured out from this study was that the behaviors that we associate with obesity were actually being driven by the biochemistry, by this high insulin. Right. So then we asked the question, well, you know, what's going on with the rest of the population? They don't have brain tumors. Mm-hmm. Well, they also are not seeing their leptin, not because of a tumor, but because of a physiologic process in the brain. Right. And it turned out that that was insulin. Sure. And so when we dropped their insulin, they got better too. Yeah. And then the question is, all right, everyone now is hyperinsulinemic. Everyone puts out two to four times the amount of insulin that they used to, say, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. Why? Why? And that's where it came down to yeah. sugar. sugar. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So our first question we've got through is, I'm confused about sugars and carbs. Are they one in the same, and is there a good carb? So carbohydrate means one of three molecules, Mm -hmm. either glucose or fructose Mm -hmm. or galactose. Mm. Those are three separate molecules and they're all involved in some fashion in carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. When we talk about carbs, we're usually talking about polymerized glucose. Mm -hmm. We're talking about starch. We're talking about 
bread, rice, pasta, potatoes, mm. beans, lentils, quinoa, farro, mm. etc. Quite broad. Quite broad. Mm. Some of them are white, some of them are brown. Mm. But it's all glucose, mm -hmm. just glucose. Glucose in a tree, if you will, mm -hmm. bound and conjugated in different ways, but ultimately glucose. Then we have something called milk sugar or lactose. And that would be glucose plus galactose. Mm -hmm. And then finally we have this thing called sugar, <laughs> the sweet stuff, yep. the stuff you put in your coffee, mm -hmm. the stuff that goes in the you know, cakes and the pies and yep, the ice cream. Candy, yep. And candy. That's glucose plus fructose. Glucose is the energy of life. Every cell on the planet burns glucose for energy. Glucose is so important that if you don't consume it, your body makes it. Okay. So you don't have to eat glucose to live. You need to have a blood glucose level to live. Right. But your liver can take fat or protein and turn it into glucose. So you don't have to eat carbohydrate. Okay. You will have a glucose level anyway. Right. And that's what people who consume low carb do. They still have a glucose level, even okay. though they're not consuming carbohydrate. Because, sure. However, fructose, this sweet molecule, the yep. molecule we seek, the mm. reason why it tastes so good, the reason why we can't resist it, yep. is a very different molecule. Okay. And it is only handled by the liver. Right. It is not necessary for life. Mm -hmm. There is no biochemical reaction in the body that requires it. Mm -hmm. Our livers have an innate capacity to be able to metabolize it into energy. Mm -hmm. But when you overwhelm the liver's capacity, the liver has no choice but to take the excess and turn that into liver fat. Right. And that liver fat then gums up the works of the liver, causes the pancreas to have to make extra insulin, oh. and now you've got all the problems that we've just been discussing. Sure. The driving of energy into fat cells called obesity, mm -hmm. the laying down of fat within the liver, fatty liver disease, mm -hmm. the laying down of triglyceride within arteries, now you've got coronary heart disease. And disrupting the leptin. And of course leptin resistance because of the high insulin and so continued consumption. Okay. And so the vicious cycle of consumption and chronic disease starts with liver fat. And sure. the primary driver of liver fat today is not alcohol, it's mm. sugar. Sugar. Wow. That is so interesting. Okay. Louise has said, lots of recipes now replace traditional white sugar with rice syrup or malt syrup ag agave. Mm -hmm. uh, are these better for us? Well, rice syrup is primarily glucose. Mm -hmm. Malt syrup is primarily glucose. Mm -hmm. Agave is glucose and fructose. Mm -hmm. Agave is actually 75% fructose. Right. People say agave is good. It's natural. Natural, mm. low glycemic index. Right. Okay, and I'm going to tell you right now. Is that a marketing here? Game? Oh, you bet it is. <laughs> here in Australia, you have a big problem mm. because, for reasons that are probably remain best uh, discussed elsewhere, um, glycemic index is a big deal here in Australia, mm. Huge. and it shouldn't be. Glycemic index is a canard. Glycemic mm. index is a mistake. Um, it sounds good. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it's not glycemic index that matters, it's glycemic load. And there's okay. a big difference between the two. Glycemic index is how high does your blood glucose rise after consuming 50 grams of carbohydrate mm -hmm. in a specific food. Ultimately, who cares? Right. 
because it depends on how much food you have to eat to get the 50 grams. Yeah, sure. An example of that would be carrots. Mm -hmm. so carrots have a high glycemic index. If you eat 50 grams of carbohydrate in carrots, your blood glucose will go pretty high. Mm -hmm. You have to eat 700 grams of <laughs> carrots. You have to eat 1.4 pounds of carrots. Right. You have to eat the entire truck <laughs> yeah. of carrots in order to get the 50 grams. So. The fiber is self-limiting. The fiber will reduce the rate of absorption. The fiber will increase satiety. Who does that? Yeah. So glycemic load matters. Okay. The glycemic index is irrelevant. Okay. Now, fructose, this sweet molecule, the one that causes the liver fat accumulation, the bad guy. <laughs> it doesn't raise your serum glucose. It raises your serum fructose, which right. is seven times worse. Okay. And it will actually cause cross-linking in your arteries and drive the atherosclerotic process unrelated to a serum glucose rise. Mm. So the fact that sugar is low glycemic index yeah. is completely irrelevant mm -hmm. and is obfuscating the danger of consuming excess sugar. Right. So I am here to say to all Australians right now that if you are using glycemic index as a method for uh, determining what and how to eat, you're making a terrible mistake. Wow. Come and talk to me <laughs> and I'll explain it to you. And you have many books and we'll link to those in the comments because that's where people can learn more. Another question we've got through is of all the diets around, which do you think are the best in terms of both nutritional health and being able to stick to? Two words, real food. Okay. And it doesn't really matter. Let's look at all the different diets that work. Mm -hmm. Atkins, mm. paleo, mm -hmm. Mediterranean, mm -hmm. zone, yep. traditional Japanese. Sure. They're very old. Di they're different, but vegan, they all work. Yeah. yeah. Some are high carb, low fat. Some are low carb, high fat. They all work. Yeah. Now, different ones work better in different people, and mm -hmm. there are reasons for that. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I will be discussing at the Bioceuticals Symposium is mm -hmm. who's built for which diet and mm -hmm. how do you determine that. Sure. But every diet that works mm -hmm. have two things in common. Every diet that works is low sugar, high fiber. Mm -hmm. And every diet that doesn't work is high sugar, low fiber. That's right. called processed food. Mm -hmm. And you can be a vegan and consuming a processed food diet. Sure. You can be Atkins and be consuming a processed food diet. Okay. The only thing you can't be consuming a processed food diet is paleo. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm not against paleo. Paleo mm -hmm. is just very expensive mm -hmm. and most people actually can't afford it. Sure. So I'm not promulgating paleo. I'm not promulgating any diet. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in a diet. I believe in real food. Fresh natural food. Food that came out of the ground or animals that ate what came out of the ground. Mm -hmm. Makes sense when you think good about to it. Go. Yep, absolutely. Okay, Chris has asked, why is sugar so difficult to give up or to cut down on? Because it's addictive. Mm. <laughs> it's very simple. Uh, that molecule fructose stimulates the reward center in the brain. The reward center, it's called the ventral tegmental area and the nucleus accumbens. It is the chemical dopamine. And anything that generates pleasure, anything that generates reward, is doing it through dopamine. So you can have your pick. It can be nicotine, alcohol, cocaine, other street drugs, uh, or sugar. 
and the, there are many others. There's gambling, there's shopping, mm -hmm. there's porn, mm -hmm. there's video games, there's cell phones. Pick mm -hmm. your pleasure. Mm -hmm. Every one of them in the extreme causes addiction. Mm. And it is because of that that we have now found ourselves in this new reality mm -hmm. that is addiction and depression. Sugar stimulates the reward system and we do have people who are sugar addicts. Mm -hmm. Now they often pass themselves off as saying, well I have a sweet tooth. Mm. You know the fact is they're sugar addicted and we actually have to use the principles of addiction medicine okay. to try to treat them for that. Okay. Interesting. Emma has asked, um, some diets are all about counting calories, so whether it's sugar, fats, carbs, it doesn't matter as long as you don't go over a certain amount of calories. Garbage. Is a calorie a calorie? Calories are garbage. Okay. Calories are the, what is exactly wrong with what's going on today. Mm -hmm. And I will prove it to you. <clears throat> I'll prove it to you four ways right now. You like almonds? Mm. I like almonds too. Mm, healthy. You eat, you eat 160 calories in almonds. Mm -hmm. How many of those calories do you absorb? No idea. 130. Okay, sounds good. Well, what happened to the other 30? Yeah, good question. <laughs> Turns out the fiber in the almonds forms a gel on the inside of the intestine. Mm -hmm. Prevents early absorption, so mm -hmm. those 30 calories don't get absorbed early. Mm -hmm. They go further down the intestine where the bacteria live. Mm -hmm. And the bacteria chew up those 30 calories for their own purposes. Okay. You know, each of us is 10 trillion cells, but we have 100 trillion bacteria in our intestine. Yeah, each right. of us is really just a big bag of bacteria with legs. Yep. <laughs> now, those bacteria have to eat something to live. Sure. Well, what do they eat? Well, they eat what you eat. The question is how much did you get versus how much did they get? Mm. When you consume foods with fiber, that means you're feeding your bacteria. Okay. Now, you count the calories here but you didn't get the calories here. Right. So a calorie is not a calorie because if it came with fiber, it wasn't for you. Right. It was That's for your bacteria. bacteria. But the mass doesn't show that. Sure. So a calorie is not a calorie because okay. if it came with fiber, it wasn't a calorie that was for you. Yes. Second, protein. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're building muscle, if you're a bodybuilder, mm -hmm. you need protein to build muscle. Mm -hmm. But if you're not a bodybuilder and you consume protein, what happens to that protein? It gets used for energy. Mm -hmm. Now, the amino acids that make up the protein will go to the liver. The liver has to take the amino group off mm -hmm. in order to turn it into an organic acid to use in what's known as the Krebs cycle, which is the energy generating cycle that goes on in the liver. In order to turn that amino acid into an organic acid, we have to remove that amino group. Okay. It costs twice as much energy to do that as it does to add a phosphate group to a carbohydrate to prepare it for being able to burn energy. Mm -hmm. So you have to invest more energy to make a protein calorie into energy as a carbohydrate calorie okay. into energy. You get the same amount out, mm -hmm. but you had to invest more. So the net is different. Sure. So a calorie is not a calorie because if it's protein versus carbohydrate, you get a different amount. Sure. So okay. a calorie is not a calorie. Interesting. Third, mm -hmm. fats. Over here we have omega-3 fatty acids. Heart healthy, anti-Alzheimer's, anti-inflammatory, save your life. Okay. Single best thing you can put in your body. Mm. Over here, trans fats. Mm -hmm. The devil incarnate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Truly consumable poison. Mm -hmm. Why did we put trans fats into food in the first place? because the bacteria couldn't digest them. Mm. It was a way of keeping food from going rancid. Mm. Increased shelf life. Mm -hmm. And the reason was because the bacteria don't have the 
enzyme to cleave the double bond, the trans double bond, so they couldn't grow on it. Well, guess what? Our mitochondria, our little energy burning factories in our cells, are refurbished bacteria. We don't have that enzyme either. Mm. So when we consume trans fats, we chop them up into two carbon fragments, and then we hit the trans double bond, and then we can't do any more. And then the remnant lines our arteries, lines our livers, causes disease, kills you. Right. <clears throat> so, omega-3 fatty acids, heart healthy, save your life, nine calories per gram. Trans fats, consumable poison, nine calories per gram, right. will kill you. Calories, not a calorie. Calories, not a calorie. Yeah. And finally, fructose and glucose. Mm -hmm. So glucose, the energy of life, fructose completely vestigial, no biochemical reaction in the body that requires it, and causes liver fat accumulation and chronic metabolic disease. Mm -hmm. They're both four calories per gram. Right. Wow. A calorie is not, not a, a calorie. calorie. And anyone who says that it is either needs to go back to medical school or dietary school or needs to be taken over my knee and spanked. <laughs> I love it. Well, on a little bit of a lighter note, Tori would like to know, what do you have for breakfast? <laughs> You know, everyone asks me that. Yes. And I'm a little loath to tell you. <clears throat> On weekdays, because I'm usually running out of the house, mm -hmm. I have, it's my weakness, I have a half a bagel with whitefish salad. Mm -hmm. On weekends, I usually make breakfast for my family, mm -hmm. and it's usually bacon and eggs. Okay, interesting. Uh, Graham has asked, uh, what fruits are high in fructose? Well, it turns out that the amount of fructose within a piece of fruit is not all that relevant. And the reason is because the more fructose there is, the more fiber there is as well, which means that even though there's a lot of fructose, you're not getting it mm -hmm. if you're eating the whole fruit. Right. Now, if you're turning it into a smoothie, then it's a big difference. Okay. In which case, then how much fructose is in that fruit does matter because now you're fiberless. You've destroyed the fiber in the smoothie machine. Right. There are two forms of fiber. There's insoluble fiber and soluble fiber. Insoluble fiber is like the stringy stuff in celery, cellulose. Mm -hmm. The soluble fiber is like what holds jelly together, like pectins. Mm -hmm. When you put it in the Vitamix, Even if you're putting the whole fruit in? Even if you're putting the whole fruit oh. in, you're destroying the insoluble fiber. You're shearing it to smithereens. Right. The soluble fiber will still be there, and it still has some benefits. It will move the food through the intestine faster, so you'll get the satiety signal sooner. So mm -hmm. that's still valuable. Mm -hmm. But that whole business about the gel and the reduction in absorption, you've lost all of that. Okay. So you're only getting about one third of the benefits of fiber when you juice a fruit. Mm -hmm. So if you're juicing and you want to know which fruits have the highest, then we're talking about things like pineapple mm -hmm. and um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, <laughs> pineapples particularly. Maybe uh, just eat them for, fresh. Yeah. Berries are relatively low okay. in uh, sugar. Mm -hmm. So um, berries are usually a good choice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, what we've got here is from Ella is, if I need to take a nap after eating too much sugar, does that mean I'm pre-diabetic? No, not specifically. Mm -hmm. um, what I would say is that it's actually important not to take a nap after eating. And the reason is because when you go to sleep, your body temperature starts to decline. Mm -hmm. In fact, your body temperature is never lower than when you wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because your mitochondria are starting to reduce their rate of burning. Mm -hmm. And they will stay that way until you sort of prime the pump again and start putting extra energy in and start the process of, called the thermic effect of food back up again. So um, it's best if you're, when you eat to 
probably not be going to bed for a good three hours. Okay. And mm. so eating late at night is a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Taking naps after you eat is not a good idea either. Mm -hmm. It's better to stay awake and um, yeah, eat, eat at an appropriate time, okay. not late. Okay, interesting. Um, generally speaking, would the different types of sugars be significant to the amount of it to improve health? I'm not quite sure. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Neither do I. We'll skip that one. Um, is there a difference between regular sugar and organic sugar? No, no difference. No difference. No difference. There you go. Um, you know, organic sugar just means that the plant didn't get exposed to antibiotics, okay. but it got purified in the same way as the processed refined sugar did. It makes absolutely no difference. Still sugar. Still sugar. And in regards to artificial sugars, um, these stevias, um, equals, <coughs> things like that, right. are they good and bad? Right. So we don't know. Okay. This is a question everyone wants to know the answer to, and I do too. Um, there are several issues with diet sweeteners, mm -hmm. and we have not answered the question yet. I'll uh, explain it in three, three separate ideas. Mm -hmm. First, there's something called pharmacokinetics, there's something called pharmacodynamics. Mm -hmm. They are not the same. Pharmacokinetics is what your body does to a drug. Pharmacodynamics is what a drug does to your body. They are not the same. Mm -hmm. We have all the pharmacokinetics for all the diet sweeteners because the FDA, the EFSA, demands them. Mm -hmm. It's part of their charter is to know about acute toxicity. And pharmacokinetics tells you that. Mm -hmm. But chronic toxicity, long-term toxicity, what a drug does to you, long term, like after a year or two years, that's pharmacodynamics. And that the FDA does not ask for. The food industry says, well, the FDA is not asking for it. It can't help our sales. These are complicated studies, take thousands of patients, no one's asking for them. We're not going to do bother. them. Yep. Right, why bother? Mm. The NIH, you know, says food industry's compound, food industry's profit, we're not going to pay for it. So we got an FDA doesn't ask for it, we got a food industry who won't do it, and we got an NIH who won't pay for it. No data. Right. Second problem. You put something sweet on the tongue, what happens? Message goes tongue to brain, sugar's coming. Brain to pancreas, sugar's coming, get ready to release the insulin. Mm -hmm. But then the sugar never comes because it was a diet sweetener. Right. What does the pancreas do? Does it go, oh man, I was waiting for that. <laughs> I guess I'll just wait till tomorrow. Mm. Or does it go, you know, these insulin vesicles sitting here ready to be released, I'm going to go find me some calories to work on. Right. And you end up overeating. Mm. So which is it? There's some, there's some early data that suggests that it's the latter, not the former. Mm -hmm. And if that is true, mm. that would be not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And then finally, there's some other data out of Israel that suggests that certain of the diet sweeteners might actually cause leaky gut okay. and cause glucose intolerance and inflammation because of the chemical itself having nothing to do with the lack of calories or the presence of calories. Okay. And if that's the case in humans, that would also be a major concern. Right. So today, we don't have enough data to say diet sweeteners are good, bad, or indifferent. Mm -hmm. But am I concerned about it? Yeah. Do I yeah. want to see some data? Well, well uh, right, I do. Yeah, okay. Now, this is the last question, uh, but it might be the most pointed. Do you think that we can point blame for our problem with sugar? Do, that we can blame who? Anyone. Anyone. So, the food industry uses sugar for many reasons. It uses it as a bulking agent. 
It uses it as a humectant, that is, it holds on to water so it keeps things moister longer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It uses it as a browning agent called the Maillard reaction. It raises the boiling point, which allows for caramelization to occur. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of food engineering reasons to use a lot of sugar. Mm -hmm. The problem is that sugar is killing us. Yeah, none of it's nutritional, is it? And it, it only supplies energy. Mm -hmm. Now, people will say, well, if it supplies energy, it's a food. Mm. Is that true? Mm. If it supplies energy, does that make it a food? So, a quiz. Mm. Can you name me an energy source that is not nutrition, that is not a food, that is not required for life, that there's no dietitian on the planet that would call it food, that when consumed in excess will kill you mm. and we love it and it's addictive. Mm. Candy, sugar, all of them. Alcohol. Oh, alcohol. Uh, but we count that as a food Alcohol stuff. is a calories, yeah. calories. Alcohol is not a food. Mm. Alcohol is not nutrition. Mm -hmm. There's no dietitian yeah. that says alcohol is nutrition. But we consume it within our body. And we love it, and it's addictive. Yeah. Well, it turns out sugar and alcohol are metabolized exactly the same way. Wow. And that's why children are getting the diseases of alcohol. Wow. Without alcohol. Okay. Type 2 diabetes and fatty liver disease were the diseases of alcohol mm -hmm. until 1980. Mm -hmm. And now, 40% of children show signs of either being pre-diabetic or having fatty liver. Where did that come from? Wow. And do you want to? ascribe blame to them for that. Mm. Sugar is the alcohol of the child mm -hmm. and we let it dominate at the breakfast table. Yeah. Whose fault is that? You're going to say the mother's fault? You're going to say the kid's fault? Mm -hmm. Or is it the food industry's fault for pushing this onto us mm -hmm. and for not looking at the science and for actually confounding the science and obscuring the science. Mm -hmm. In fact, we now have the paper trail that shows that the food industry put their thumb on the scale back in the 1960s to exonerate sugar and finger-saturated fat as the cause of cardiovascular disease. Wow. We have the smoking gun. Mm -hmm. They did this to us on purpose for profit. Wow. It is time to undo the damage, and it's time for the industry to start accepting culpability for the mistakes and for the um, conscious decisions that they have made. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll finish it there. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. No problem. Good luck with your Thank speak you. in Sydney, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. And that interview was first conducted in the HuffPost Australia's Facebook Live format. And don't forget to check back on the HuffPost Uncut podcast channel on iTunes or on your favorite podcast provider. This channel will be updated frequently with content from the staff at the HuffPost Australia.